Welcome to a very special episode of Own Goal Podcast. It is our annual club season in review episode as we have just saw the Champions League final just a few days ago. Uh, data recording, June 1st, 2021. We're 10 days out from the Euros, but we're not going to talk about that at all. Instead, next week, you guys will get a special episode purely dedicated to the Euros. Yeah, and, and I think we're going to cover the, like Donnie said, Champions League. Uh, quickly touch on the various top four title and relegation battles. Got a whole host of conversations for you. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's in goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. The best place to kick this thing off is with a, a quick review of the Champions League final. You know, pretty highly anticipated match coming into it. Chelsea, Man City, Man City overwhelming favorites. As I'm sure listeners know, Chelsea ended up uh, taking a one nothing lead and didn't really look back after that before we kind of dive into you know any kind of review or anything was i alone in thinking the game from a neutral perspective was kind of boring truly like i will say the other champions league final in recent years that comes to mind of how boring it was was that uh liverpool tottenham final where liverpool had the early goal and then it was just it was just a dog shit game the entire time I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was my my kind of recollection as well. And no, not not to take anything away from you know the Man City fans, the Chelsea fans, the Liverpool and Tottenham fans. Uh, I'm sure the games are high stress and you know exciting or miserable for your team if you're winning or losing. But I kind of would like to stop seeing domestic rivals play against each other in like Europe's top competition. Yeah, um, I agree. Even the Atletico-Real Madrid final, like, was that maybe five-ish years ago? Wasn't necessarily the most exciting, whereas, like, for example, the Real Madrid-Juventus final, that game was electric. Was, yeah, with Galazos. I mean, that game was electric. What, have have Chelsea and City played each other, what, four times this year? Twice in the league, once in the, uh... Champions League and once in the FA Cup? FA Cup final? Uh, no. Not the FA no, Cup no. final, because uh, Chelsea City, played less um, yeah. yeah, and three of those came in the last six weeks. And so it's just, you know, that All that of is, which were won by Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Uh, Tuchel's got some crazy stats of against, like, going up against Don Carlo, who we will talk about in a minute for yes. unrelated reasons. Yes. Klopp. Uh, he basically pap, uh, got up against, you know, uh, Diego Simeone. Bunch of the biggest names. He's a one nine, drew one, and conceded two goals against the. That, I mean, that's a wild stat, and as impressive as it is, and you know he got the result. Clearly, he knows what he's doing. His style of play is so boring to watch. Wait, hold on. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you sweep under. Clearly, he knows what he's doing. A few episodes ago. On this very podcast, sir, you said that 
you he wasn't that good of a coach. Yes, but between then and now, I already admitted that I was wrong on that take. Okay. On this pod, on, on this pod, even a less episodes after what you're referring to, I admitted, you know what, Tuchel's actually getting not just the easy results, but he's getting the other results. It was, I think, after their their second, you know, uh, win against Atletico. Uh, and they strung together a couple wins that weren't against you know the bottom half of the Premier League table. I already admitted that I was wrong. Tuchel knows what he's doing. He's a good coach, but Jesus, man, like it's just, it, 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 you know it's it's kind of reminds me of Jose Mourinho. Like he just suffocates the fun out of the game. Yeah, I and I also think part of that is the uh, his personnel choices. I think that when. Timo Werner's out there and not scoring goals. He naturally sucks out the offensive focal point of the game. Whereas, like, when Christian Pulisic was introduced, it was electric all of a sudden. Now, that could yeah. be a, a huge bias on our part. I mean, but but I don't, I don't think it is. Uh, we look at some other games where, where Chelsea didn't get the result and, and Tuchel, you know, uh, trying to think. Was it the... FA Cup final against Leicester. When, yeah, but they were but they, they were good in that game. They created a lot of chances. Yeah, but not not. I'm here. Maybe I'm blanking on on what, what game it was. Where where I thought it was FA Cup where Pulisic did start but came in as a sub, right? I think he did come on as a sub. And that was when they started getting like actually unlocking the game. They brought in like Reese James and Christian Pulisic and and actually started opening stuff up. And it's like Tuchel definitely has. I'm going to start this game out by suffocating everything, and then yeah, if we go down or if we're tied and we need something, I'll bring you know my actual creative players on onto the field to unlock something. It's just so frustrating that clearly they have that ability from the beginning, and it would be nice to see them set out to play that way. Listen, I agree. I have famously said that. It should be a rule that you can only have two defenders, both fullbacks. So everyone's just constantly attacking each other, and there's really no defense. I agree with everything you're saying um, in terms of Tuchel's play style. But I want to switch gears a little bit and kind of talk about Man City. And I guess to do that, I guess let's talk about the game, and then let's do a deep dive into Man City and Pep. Um, The decision, let's start with the decision by Pep. 59 out of 60 games this year. He has played one of Fernandinho or Rodri in that holding midfield position. Yeah. In this game, he chose to do neither. You know the guy who gets ready to go on a date and is just so nervous and overthinks everything that he goes on the date and the person he's on the date with just picks up on that nervous energy because he's just been he's been thinking about this date all day and replaying it and overthinking it. And so then when the, you know, the waiter comes and says, you know, hey, what do you guys like to drink? You know, the girl he's on a date with says, oh, I'll have a water. And the worst thing that can happen to you on a date is for the girl to order a water. <laughs> because you are, at that point, she is just not even wasting the calories of an alcoholic <laughs> beverage on you. That, Pep was that guy coming into this game. I think he really, oh, he would... I think he was a little shook from having lost to Tuchel twice in the previous five weeks before the game. And I really think he overthought it. I think he should have had 
one of Rodri or Fernandinho to clean things up in front of the back four. I think that was a huge he, mistake. He played himself in a way, yeah. right? Like he played himself. The other, the other, the attic that is kind of a different mindset. So I don't know if it's as applicable, but you dance with the one that burned you. Like 59 out of 60 games started one of those two and they had a hell of a season. Yeah. The team. Don't, why, why change that now? Yeah, I just... Can, can I ask another question? Yeah, absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Raz got the start, right? Yeah. And I, I think we've both been very kind of, you know, vocal about how talented we think Raz is. Referring to Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling. Really talented guy. Uh, never gotten a fair shake from, like, the tabloids in, in, in England. Yes. Uh, but really talented player. Talented, suffers from inconsistency sometimes. And he's not had... You know, uh, I I don't think he would say that this has been one of his better years. Definitely uh, not one of his better years. Not not gotten as much playing time. Not not produced when he did. I was really surprised to see Raz out there for, as a starter uh, because you know I think it's not what we've really been seeing from a from Pat a lineup perspective, getting them all the way here. Correct. Yeah, I think that was a big shock because I mean. You think you bring on one of those holding midfielders, everyone else pushes up a little bit, and Sterling is kind of the natural guy to not be, not be out there. Um, I mean, I, should we just go into the game? Yeah, yeah, we can because I have I have one thing that to me was the ultimate turning point that is actually not a goal scored. Uh, oh, so. Well, well, I have a feeling it's yours too, so we'll, we'll yeah. get to it. But if you want to run us through the game real quick. Yeah, I thought the game started out like both teams kind of probing each other back and forth. And in the first few minutes, they actually were. They were kind of, we had some back and forth play for that first 10, 15 minutes that I was like, okay, like it's going to be fun. And then that kind of died down. And I think one of the things, and you and I have talked about this before, where it's like, I feel like the goal of a pep team is to have 99% possession of the ball and dribble the ball into the goal. But it's like there are so many times. Um, well, I, I disagree with you there. If you dribble the ball into the goal, you give possession to the other team. Hence the one percent. I don't even think Pep wants to dribble the ball. I think Pep's ultimate goal is to dominate possession so bad for an entire extended period of time that the rules of soccer change to where goals are no longer counted, and it's just a possession. It's just a possession counter. It, it, it's just a game of keep away. Yeah, that, that that is, I think, the true ultimate goal. But in that early first, I'd say the 30 minutes of the game, there's so many times where City guys are in the box, I'm just thinking, have a shot. Like, yeah. like is it the most perfect angle? No, but, dude, when you... When, Get a deflection. So much shit can happen. You Like, so many... You, you, you almost, it's like... Like, when an own goal happens or a deflection, you can say, oh, that's unlucky. But, like, you have to create your luck to an extent. Your real man makes his own luck, right? Exactly. That's, that's and, and it's just, like, they're always just looking for a tap-in. The tap-in goal. And you and I have talked about, like, before where it's, like, we've seen other games where it's, like, a City guy has a nice curling opportunity, you know, right outside the box, 18, 19 yards out. That, I mean, it's a decent look. Go for it. Have a hit. And just City never does that. And I thought that's something that... Chelsea kind of knew exploited well, so they just crammed everything down the middle, knowing that those guys rarely take those kind of wide angle shots, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. 
Um, and I think there's also kind of a, a question, I think once again, about lineups, about the people you, you, you kind of pick. Because um, they, they, I would also love to see like, like Sergio Aguero, you know, give, give the guy 45 minutes. Uh, just with that killer instinct. I agree. I think, I don't know, man. I just think that, well, okay. Well, so then let's go to the first big injury, Thiago Silva. He gets hurt. And at that point I'm thinking Chelsea are fucked. Christensen comes in for him. Christensen hadn't played a game in like a month. And I'm just thinking like, Tiago Silva, obviously, I mean, you saw the way Tuchel embraced him as he was coming off, like, big locker room guy, big leadership presence, had just lost the final last year with PSG. I'm thinking, man, Chelsea are in trouble. And not so long after he subbed, Kai Havertz, you know, people, you can criticize his performances all you want this season, but if he sh- if he shows up in the biggest game of the season and, and he helps win you a Champions League, none of it matters. No, Everyone forgets the rest, pretty much. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, and I think, you know, actually some, a reporter asked uh, Havertz about his thoughts on his large transfer fee after the game. And his reply was, like, I don't give a fuck. I just, we just won the Champions League. And that is that is the correct yeah. response. Yeah. Um, basically, whatever, I mean, whatever Chelsea did got them to winning the Champions League, which is one of, if not the goal, uh, going into the season. Yeah, absolutely, and hell, hell, hell of a ball by Mason Mount, who had a great game. Yeah, Mason Mount had a really, really solid game. Um, I mean, so that that goal was big. That that goal, uh, you know, gave gave Tuchel the ability to you know put the clamps on the game as he so much likes to do. But they were not out of the woods. Oh, absolutely you know? not. With as, the fire, firepower Man City has, as long as you have Kevin De Bruyne whipping that ball around, you know, feeding players like Mares, Foden, Sterling, you've you've got, you know, more than a puncher's chance. Yeah. Which is where I think we would both agree the biggest influence on the game happened. Yeah, 15 minutes into the second half, Rudiger kind of just goes for a bloody body block on Kevin De Bruyne. I think if you think there was anything malicious or intentional about trying to hurt De Bruyne, I think you're out of your mind. I think he was trying to block De Bruyne from advancing for sure, but to to have the intent that uh, he was making he was making a, a tactical foul like a soccer play, and it was a freak it's, accident that De Bruyne's face hit um, Rudiger's um, mask just in the worst way possible, and that's when breaking the game, nose, breaking his nose and his left orbital bone. Yes, which sounds fucking painful. Yeah. And that's when I thought City were probably in trouble. Yeah. Because you just took out their best player. The player who makes literally any other player on that team a potential threat to score yeah. on any given moment. Like, his vision, his touch, his his ability to, to counter. It's just... That's that's when, when things got, got bleak for Man City. Um, you know, I think Man City still put put the screws on, you know, in the final 10 minutes or so. Uh, had a couple chances. Ederson had a fantastic ball uh, that basically cleared every single line, but I, I think it was Taraz before he got subbed out. Uh, wasn't able to convert. I don't know if there's too much more to really cover or speak 
speak about with regards to the game itself. And Christian Pulisic got into the game, the- and he he was explosive, and he almost scored. Banda, that would have that would have really uh... if he could have put that on frame. Yeah, he you know uh, Ederson came out on him, and Pulisic just kind of dinked it over him, but but also ended up sitting at what a foot two feet wide or so. Yeah. Um, would have liked to see it on frame, but also it was it was a, a, a quick play, not 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 an easy one, in any means. So Donald, Eric, I know you have some thoughts on on Pep, on Man City, oh on Ins League, and I don't want to delay this any longer for you. First, I want to say big shout out to all you African shamans out there, because. <laughs> As many of you have probably seen, back in 2018, Yaya Torre's agent. So, if you guys don't remember, Pep kind of treated Yaya Torre really, really badly. And Yaya Torre is a Manchester City legend, in my opinion. I mean, he really, him and Aguero were part of that first, and David Silva, Vincent Company, they were part of that first kind of crew of guys that got City on the map, got them to win a Premier League, got them to be taken seriously instead of what they've been for their entire existence up until seven years ago. It was just a complete joke and a blight to the city of Manchester. But um, anyway, before um, oil and blood money had uh, helped risen them from the shit which they had lived. But so y- but long story short, Yannis agent said that the African shamans had put a curse on Pep Guardiola that he would never win the Champions League. And the curse has held strong so far. And you and I have always said that, yeah, if you give Pep the best team in the league, he'll win the league title pretty much all the time. But can he do it in the Champions League without Messi? And to this day, the answer is no. And not only that, Eric, this is the second major final, only the second Pep has ever lost. One being a... Copa del Rey final that he lost to Real Madrid when he was coach of Barcelona. We're calling that a major final? Copa del Rey? Well, it's the, the domestic league final. I'm not calling it a major final, but to, to whoever came up with that stat. That's fair. So that's only the second one he's ever lost? Yes, as a manager. Which, which uh, that's impressive that he's won, you know, he's won so many of the finals he's been in, but also that means he's not, he, this is the first Champions League final he's made since leaving Barcelona. Yes. And, he lost. and let's not forget, if I'm not mistaken, he had a little bit of a stint in Germany, did he not? He did. Where he he never even was made the, the final. With a decent team. Yeah, you you could call it a decent team. Yeah, Bayern, Bayern Munich for yeah. those who aren't aren't tracking with us. Ever heard of uh, them? They use the other 17 leagues in the Bundesliga as their farm team. It's a it's a really brilliant <laughs> system from their perspective. Yeah, um, um, it's it's fascinating, and I mean this this was the year. This was the so, year. To, let me throw you something else, though, and then you go. I got to give you one more thing. Since Pep has been at Manchester City, Manchester City has spent over a billion dollars on transfers. Oh. And what, like 480 million of those have been on defenders specifically? Slightly over half. Oh, okay, so a little over five? 500 mil dollars, US, baby. Oh my god. <laughs> I just wanted to, so, I, I wanted to give you that nugget before you jumped in. I just I, I needed so, to, I needed to give you that that knowledge. So not only have he spent uh, over half of half a billion on defenders, you know he's probably going to get one of the greatest active defenders for free in uh, Sergio Ramos when he at least ran out Madrid. Just to add to that, which blows my mind. Um, 
so you know this this was the year to break it to to break his immaculate streak. Uh, Considering, I mean, City overwhelming favorites on Chelsea. You know, top to bottom squad is deeper, is stronger, is more talented. Pep's been there, done that before. Tuchel uh, had lost Champions League final the year before, but had never you know made it to the, to the mountaintop. And we, I, I think I bring this up every three to six months. Pep was specifically hired not to win league titles, not to win Carabao Cup titles. Uh, he's great at the Carabao Cup, four straight. I mean. He was brought in. I'd arguably say in the history of English soccer, no manager's better at winning the Carabao Cup than Pep Guardiola. I'm willing to concede that. Uh, yeah, but he was specifically brought in to deliver a Champions League title. Yep. So I know you don't want this, but it would be funny if he does somehow get Messi and then wins the Cup because like, he can only do it with Messi. Yeah, but I have a lot of faith in the African shamans because I saw it you first. Bet. I saw it firsthand. You, you, you better because, like, I mean, they're going to be favorites for it next year too. Especially when they buy Harry Kane, they're going to. They are. I, I honestly think they're going to get Harry Kane. The way he was, I don't remember what the question was. Um, somebody asked him about his thoughts on De Bruyne, and he was just like, "Yeah, I he mean, literally no, he wasn't just like anything. He literally." It was Gary Neville who asked him the question, and what did Harry Kane do? He literally unzipped his pants, pulled out his hog, and started savaging himself like a fucking beast, talking about how good Kevin De Bruyne how, is. How he's like, ev- oh, every oh yeah, Kevin De Bruyne. Would, oh yeah, he'd be a striker's every dream. Striker oh, yeah. would love, every striker would love to play with like with someone who can deliver balls like that to his teammates. Balls like that to his teammates, exactly. And yeah. So, um, that's the one thing where it's like, I had a brief enjoyment, and congratulations to Chelsea, Christian Pulisic, first uh, U.S. men's national team player to win the Champions League, that is awesome, that is a huge step forward for the United States, like, mm. we're, we're making strides. You see him celebrating in the U.S. Uh, I loved it, Yeah, loved that, um, cool. hopefully, uh, you know, with a full year and a full training camp, Tuchel will start realizing, oh, like, my team is, like, a trillion times better when I play this kid, so I should play him. Um, would would be nice, would be nice. But, um, congratulations mm-hmm. to Chelsea, winners of the You know what, honestly, no, I, I think, I think Tuchel should keep him on the bench, Pulisic should force a move to a, uh, a waking giant over in Italy, uh, don the red and black, and, and just play for, for AC Milan. Then you would be savaging yourself. <laughs> uncontrollably um but congratulations to chelsea congratulations to thomas tuchel you lost the year before you were ousted at psg you were a leper nobody wanted you chelsea took you in gates despised you called you out on this podcast and you know what in the chelsea season in review dvd the very first words of it will be own goal podcast host eric gates yeah i just don't think thomas tuchel's that good and he just listened to that episode again and again and again, according to Chelsea inside sources. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I was wrong. But also... <laughs> He's still pushing pick- fucking forth. I was... Yeah, I was picking up on something. And that something being... It's not fun to watch a Tuchel game. 
is not. That's he was, all. He was probably the wrong coach to have the offensive pi- firepower of Neymar and Mbappe. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? He was the right coach to have the uh, offensive wet noodle of Timo Werner, though. Okay, so you know that uh, midfielder Kovacic for Chelsea? Yeah. That's his fourth Champions League that he's won. He's played a combined 17 minutes in all four finals, and I think either 16 of those minutes or all 17 came on Saturday. As that sub, yeah. That's just that's just that's just the guy who's just been on the right team. He was on Real for all three of their back to back for the three back to back to back with Zizou. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I guess um, it was hard. Like as I was happy, City didn't win, and then I was like, ah, fuck, Chelsea won. That kind of sucks. Chelsea fans suck. Fucking mm. suck. Because it gets emboldened. It gets emboldened to Chelsea fans. Yeah. I know. Uh, it really does. It's it's like oil money, Russian oligarch money. It's just it's it's disgusting all around. But then I kind of felt pretty pathetic because Chelsea lost the Champions League final. Or I'm sorry, City lost the Champions League final. United lost the Europa League final against the seventh place team in Spain in the world's longest penalty kick shootout. It wasn't, but it felt like it. It really did feel like it. Um, oh. I don't know. Like, we don't need to go into too much about the game. You know, I think everybody's talking about the penalty shootout because how often in you know a, a game with legit stakes do you see it go of eleven shooters deep for both teams? I, I think. I mean, you, you, we, we texted about it during. No, the game. You, but you know what? I rescinded what I texted. What I at the time the anger I had to De Gea was oh, completely unfair. I was gonna cover it uh, like a day or two later. We we talked about it again. Oh, uh, oh so you, you mentioned that Ole should have had the stones to pull De Gea and put in Henderson. He should have, but he, yeah, he should have. He should have. He should have because De Gea. If you follow Manu, De Gea is not a good penalty shooter. Hadn't saved the 25 penalties he's faced for club and country prior to that game. Hadn't saved a penalty in the last five years. He's not a good there's, penalty guy because he just falls. And there's there's no way the coaching staff don't have that stat of not not just the he's failed to stop the last 25, but also like his career save percentage is like what 20 something percent, and Hindo is like 41 percent. Yes. It's just it, I mean you know we used, you just hit us with play wrist. Don't get mad. It's it's just math. Yeah. I mean, but even then, okay, I'll just get into it real quick. I'm not going to get into the game that much specifically, but after the game, I was mad at De Gea, and that wasn't fair to De Gea, because for so long in the post-Alex Ferguson years, without De Gea, Manu would have been relegated at one point, in my opinion. He has been a standout performer, and if that's his last game for Manu, he doesn't deserve the fans to hate him. Like, he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that. It's not his fault that he's a goalie and he missed a penalty. That's what happened. That's okay. You're a goalie. It shouldn't come to you. But we lost that game because we can't defend against set pieces. Haven't been able to do it all season. And Rashford and Bruno didn't show up in a big game. Rashford has been missing for like a month and a half. Now, Rashford is dealing with injuries to his shoulder and ankle. He's been dealing with those for a year and a half, and they will need surgery. So I know 
he is dealing with some shit. But as one Manu account that I follow, it's pretty funny. It's a funny account. He said, just because Rashford gives your kids croissants doesn't mean I'm not going to shit on him when he doesn't play well. Which was objectively, I had to laugh at that. But not defending set pieces, that's a coaching thing. That is literally something like growing up playing soccer. Like all my coaches... Like, the most thing we really spent, like, the most, I feel like the biggest impact they had was how we defended and how we attacked set pieces. Like, once the game starts and we're out there, we'll just kind of, like, figure it out. You know, we know our strengths. We know how we play. But coaches, that's, like, what they do is set pieces. And without set pieces, Gareth Southgate wouldn't still have a job. I mean, I, I don't get it. It's, like... What do you do in training as a team? I don't know. Spend, literally spend, spend half the time on like fitness, right? So nobody's getting hurt. And the other half of your time on defending and attacking. No, I don't even care if we attack them. Just defend them. Honestly, three quarters defending set pieces. And you can spend a quarter of your practice time. Of a quarter of your half of practice time on attacking set pieces, just so the players don't get super bored. Yeah, um, and you know, I think for the most part, a lot of the out the big stars didn't show. I mean, especially in the second half when we were just attacking, attacking, we should have scored another goal. We didn't. In extra time, yeah. we had opportunities to score. We didn't. None of that's on De Gea. A penalty shootout is a lottery. Manu historically very, very bad at penalties, except that one time in two thousand and eight because John Terry slipped. Well, also that's because you're going against another English team, and for some reason, English and penalties don't don't mesh well. Don't mesh well, but um, so it's like whatever shit-eating grin I had about City losing, I just like then was quickly humbled. But um, good segue to kind of wrap up how the uh, Premier League, or no, you know what? You want to get to coaching carousel, or how do we want to do this? Oh, let's why don't we recap the league and then okay, the season's over. Coaching carousel. So on our last episode, we had two predictions: one about this league, one about La Liga. Gates said that Leicester City would finish in the top four, and I said, "Nope, Liverpool's going to get in there." And boy, did Liverpool get in there! Yeah. So our our top four ended up being uh, Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Chelsea, and for a second. There on Championship Sunday, Leicester City was good because they were up 2-1 on Tottenham. And Chelsea was losing and looking horrible against West Ham. Uh, Liverpool was winning, but all was good. And then, as he, as Brendan Rodgers always does, and until you're not a choker, I will always believe you're a choker. You have to prove me wrong. Yeah. Jay, Jay Wright and Villanova were chokers until they won the title. Tony Bennett and, and UVA were chokers until they won the title. And the I, Toronto yeah, I, Maple Leafs are still chokers. Well, yeah, that's I mean, that, that's beyond choking. That's just like, I don't know, like self-flagellation or something. It's just, it's bad. Um, but it was just the Gareth Bale show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kane, Kane had, had a little something-something. Something. Uh, to say say goodbye to his fans at Tottenham, and then Bale just took over with the the best uh, minute, go, goal to minutes ratio in the in the, the league this year, which makes you wonder why was this guy not playing under Jose? Was he just 
I'm wondering when, when Josie was putting the team sheets together, Bale hadn't made it back from the golf course. That's why he, could, he couldn't be selected until, you know, 70 minutes into a game. He was too busy in a qualifier uh, for the Corn Ferry Tour. Also, <laughs> this is just this is just a PSA to golf. Your, your second, like, level of tournament play cannot be called the fucking Corn Ferry Tour. That, that name is a joke. That's great. Um... They should rename the Carabao Cup the Corn Ferry Cup. Please. In- interesting to note that, you know, three teams with everything to play for, you know, on the line uh, on the final match day to get into Champions League. Leicester, Chelsea, and Liverpool, two of them lost. Yep. And you know, Chelsea got in because they did enough. You know, they beat uh, Leicester, what, the week before? No, uh, no but I, I, Chelsea got in because Leicester lost. If Leicester... Yeah. Leicester wins, Chelsea's the, would have been the odd man out, and then it would be a really different story about Tuchel. I mean, they well, they would have gotten in anyways. Um, because, but then again, if they miss out on top four, do they have the confidence and the momentum to? I, I, you don't know, right? The whole butterfly effect. Uh, but just interesting because we're going we're going to you know uh, cover a couple other leagues in here, and and we've been comparing the English league with the Italian league just because there have been a lot of similarities especially with, with our two teams. Uh, Actually, our two teams had, like, arguably the same season. If you, I mean, if you think like, about it, they both finished in second. Their city rival 12. finished ahead of them. They were both by, by 12 points. By 12 points. Um, yeah, I, it, it's it's actually incredible. Um, so, I mean, you, you have any... Okay, here's, here's my lasting thought on the Premier League. Next year is, is Leicester's year. Uh, they're making top four. Well, we as I as I mushed wolves at the beginning of this year when I said they were going to try to they were my dark horse to pick the uh, wolves. We've totally fucked them. Quick work. Not only did you mush, not only did you mush wolves, you drove Nuno out too. I know. Uh, uh, trust me, wolves fans have been sending me dead rodents in the mail. Please stop. Um, well, I picked Ever- I picked Everton as my dark horse, and now look at Carlo and everything. So I think we uh, we did the same thing. There. We need to stop. Cursing other teams. It's not fair to them. Uh, I do want to yeah. say uh, Brentford won the um, promotion playoff, and for the first time in their history, they are in the Brentford Bees, are in the Premier League. First time since 1955-56 that they're in the English top flight. I am so happy for this team. They came so close last year. Um, They've come so close so many times. Yeah. It's. I mean, not just last year. Like, like just over the last decade, they. I think they. They've been. They've been in the playoff just so many times. So it's really exciting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what what they what you know squad improvements, investments they could make, uh, and then how this core can and can act because it would be heartbreaking for for after all the the time and years to just go right here. back down. But well, and, you, you and, know, yeah. there's a really good. I've heard there's a really good left back who's gonna a Premier League caliber left back who's gonna be available for them. I would love that. What and, about what about Anthony and D, and uh, Daryl DK at Brentford? Yeah, are you kidding me? Just call me B boy. Wouldn't that be sexy? It would be sexy. Um, but Although if that happened, we would have to promise each other to never like make a positive prediction about them. For sure. <laughs> For sure, um, but also, oh sorry. No, yeah. Um, um, next next year we're we're going to do a better job of of, of uh, talking about the championship. 
Uh, I feel like we text about it a lot, and like you and I will will kind of keep up to date on, on a lot of championship stuff. But we we never really dedicate enough time, uh, and it's we should because the the playoff at the end of the season is just so electric and so intense that I think it's worth covering the the people who you know fight for automatic promotion and then the teams that are you know competing for those final playoff spots. And after the game, they were asking the Brentford manager, like you know. Like, are you get you know, are you get you know, are you guys gonna sign a long term contract? Like, what are you guys thinking about bringing in? And he's like, listen, I don't really care tonight. I'm just gonna get drunk. And that was yeah. awesome. And it's like, literally every person can kind of uh, like understand where this guy's at right now, and I love it. I, I, I'm I'm here for the for the Brentford content. Keep it buzzing, baby. Go bees. Uh, now Syria with Eric. Oh man, ah, it's been a while since I've been able to look at a finished Serie A table and not have like disgust, dread, uh, heartburn, <laughs> or what? Heartburn <laughs> or heartburn? Yeah. Uh, so just to remind everybody, Milan had an incredible post-COVID, post-lockdown close to last season. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, pre-lockdown was really shitty, and Milan's great run to end that in the 2020 season got them into like fifth place, uh, sixth place, sixth place. Not 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 great. Then started the this new year, the 2020 to 2021 season on a blistering pace. Ended up top of the table at the end of the the first half of the season, but Inter picked up speed and just could not be stopped. Big Rom was a beast. Conti had his team playing like classic title Conti soccer. Uh, and Milan actually had like the sixth or seventh best point total uh, going into the final three weeks of the second half of the season. Uh, Atalanta caught us and passed us. Juve caught us and passed us. Napoli passed us at certain points. And uh, that three nothing whenever Juve was incredible. Because they put Milan in the driver's seat and then put Napoli also in a strong kind of hold for, for fourth place with UV on the outside looking in. Going to the final final week, you had Milan after shitting the bed, um, because that's what happens after when we shit the bed. Going to Atalanta, who were firmly in second place, and then Juve and Napoli each playing mid table teams and nothing before. A win basically for any team would, would get them all in. If both teams, if all three teams won, Juve would have been on the outside looking in. And surprisingly, Milan handled Atalanta pretty handedly for a second place finish. Napoli, however, could not beat Hellas Verona and missed out on Champions League by one point. Second time in three seasons, Gattuso has missed out on Champions League place by one point. So the bad news is we really had a good chance of no Juventus in the Champions League next year, and that did not quite materialize. The good news is for the first time in like seven years, I think, since the 2013-2014 season, Milan will be in the Champions League. And that's really exciting. That's something that I just you know have not been able to really experience uh, in a long time. Uh, really looking forward to it because we have no recent Champions League experience. We are a pot four team, which means we'll have you know a, we'll be going against a team in pot one, pot two, and pot three, uh, which like means we could we could end up drawing uh, 
Barca or not, uh, uh, good job, Bayern Munich, Man United, and Ajax and Milan, like all in the same group, which is going to be kind of fun. And usually, pop four is where you get like the you know lesser teams or like the you know, Turkish teams or something for for a slightly easier group. So it's going to be going to be fun, um, but I think. The top four battle race was fascinating. The other thing that we have to talk about is... Ooh, can I chime in real quick? Oh, please. Yeah. I was always confident Milan were going to finish in the top four. You were just like... You were you were just in a pretzel about it. Well, the problem was we have not had a good uh, history against Atalanta recently, especially in Bergamo, Atalanta's home uh, stadium. And that's the team that we absolutely had to beat because we fucking bottled it against 16th place Cagliari uh, the the week before, right? We could have we could have secured Champions League the week before against a team that had nothing to play for, and we, we couldn't muster a goal. We could barely muster a shot. So, yeah, I did not feel good. I was like, okay, Napoli are going to win. Juventus are going to win. At a certain point, both teams were, were winning, but we luckily had uh, – we did set the record for most penalties given in a Serie A season this year. Welcome, so and they, they asked Pioli how he felt about that, and, and Pioli, my manager, said, uh, I mean, I don't care. I think we deserve more than they gave us. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an Italian response to that question. Yeah, so I, I, I appreciated that. Um, and I think also United had a really like penalty-heavy you know, season as well. Just like you Especially guys last them. season. Uh, so more similarities between the the two teams, um, but I, I'm I'm happy you had confidence in Milan. I think you said it best. Until you don't choke, you're a choker. And you know, Milan fans re- referred to these like seven years as like the banter era, where you know the the players we were bringing in were, were Kevin Constant and you know players like that 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 you know, finished between seven and tenth in the league. So it's nice to be out of that. Not fun that the team to, to you know kick Juve off the pedestal is the one team that you know Milan hates more than Juve. That's Inter. But how many times do you see a team deliver like a coach and a team deliver their first title in eleven years? Be a, a, a powerhouse in that nation, and the response be we need to generate like 80 million euro in player sales and also you need to reduce your wages by 15 percent yeah the the reaction of the milan chairman who is 29 inter chairman the inter milan chairman the reaction of the inter milan chairman who is 29 years old by the way i think that's important to note yeah to tell him to tell conti to sell 80 million dollars worth of players and probably one player or it's Hakimi. It's Hakimi to PSG is what is what they're they're thinking. Or uh, uh, Martinez to um, Barcelona. Barcelona. But yeah, I just feel like I mean Conti. He set up the Juventus dynasty that has been in in, in Syria. I mean they've dominated Syria for ten years. Yeah, he set that up, and then he ended it, and it almost looked like Inter Milan was about to start their own dynasty. And as soon as the, I had a feeling, as soon as they were telling him, "Oh, you have to sell players, and we're not going to back you," Conti's a competitive son of a bitch. Yeah. He w- I'm pr- at that moment, he was like, "I'm out," and he was out. And who did they get uh, to replace him? Oh, uh, they got uh, Simeone and Zaghi from Lazio. So 
that'll be interesting to see how that goes. I don't think Inter are going to be challenging for the title next season, though. I'll say that off the bat. So, Just because yeah, think, if, if even if they kept the exact same squad, I think the drop-off in manager is pretty significant. The thing with, like, with Simeone and Zage is that he's done historically a good job of making Lazio competitive when they can't spend like other teams, right? Granted, in Italy, you can't spend as much, but, you know, what before the, the, the pandemic shut down, Lazio were neck and neck with Juventus uh, on a much, much smaller wage bill. Uh, they've, they've been competitive. They've, they've qualified for Champions League a lot of the last couple, you know, couple of years. So I think with what that what, what that board is asking, and, you know, I think Inter, what, took out a massive, like, €270 million Euro loan uh, or something, and that's why they, they need these player sales they need the reduced wages as a way for them to to kind of pay the the down payments on on that loan we've seen with milan just a few years ago what happens when you use the debt financing to pay for stuff and then default on the payments you get uh you fall into you know receivership of the people that finance the loan so they don't want that to happen uh, so it, it will be interesting. I agree. I, I don't think, you know, without Conti, I don't think Inter are, have as much teeth as they do with him. Also, you got, I, I, I it's, the rumors are uh, PSG are very interested in Hakimi. So you take one of their, one of their better players, one of the better fullbacks in the league. And I, I'd say, I'd say the second best fullback in the league behind Teo Hernandez. Uh, well, I actually think that uh, Hakimi was the second best right back in the Ah, Calabria. I, I, I think Davide Calabria had a, was, was, a, was a better overall right back. Uh, I think Hakimi is playing more like a, a, ringer, a, a winger in a fullback's position, which is maybe why you uh, enjoy that play. Uh, very Teo Hernandez-like as well. But, that's, that's, the, that, that's, that's what I recognize as a fullback. Yeah. It, it's it's yeah. your second winger <laughs> on the same side. <laughs> so, uh, but, but that, that'll be really interesting to see. You know, also... It seems like Lukaku really is enjoying uh, his time in Milan. He's seems he's been re- re- well accepted by the fans and by the city, which is great to see. Not for me personally, but for him, definitely. Nope. Nobody's fat shaming him like they was at Man-, Man United. I don't know why Man United fans their just go to is to fat shame people. I know. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I don't understand. I've been to Manchester. Not everyone's skinny. There are um, some big, chubby, pale people over there. But he he was really really. Uh, attached to Conti. I think I think he really appreciated working with Conti. Uh, and I, I don't I don't think he's gonna try to necessarily follow Conti anywhere he goes, but is it possible that his, you know, upcoming renewals, whenever they are, are going to have less of a raise possibility with Inter's financial problems than entertaining a move back to back over to England? Like I, I don't know. Uh, I think I think Inter will do what they can to keep Lukaku, I think they'll try to keep Martinez as well because that is a that's the best strike partnership in Italy. Um, I, I do think they're going to sell Akimi and then see whose kind of profile they can bolster next year, and you know, keep selling that third or fourth best option and pick somebody else up is what I think what they're going to try to do. Uh, but it'll be it'll be Juventus's title to lose next season, which is disappointing. Hmm. And I guess this this might be a good point to quickly just kind of get into the coaching carousel because we touched on it with Conte. Juventus sacked Pirlo, which we kind of, I think, saw coming. But then 
what really surprised me is that they just went right back to Allegri and he and I mean for, I feel like Juventus is much like Manchester City where it's like Champions League or, or bust like if Pirlo finishes fourth and they win the Champions League he's not getting sacked no he gets an extinction and so they bring back Allegri which was a bit of a head scratcher and then so you have Conti now who's out there he's available well then Zidane leaves Real Madrid by his own terms because quote I was tired of the the club putting rumors that I'd be fired if I didn't win certain games and they were basically undermining me and good for Zidane for fucking standing up to himself I love that dude I mean it has to be so frustrating and also just emotionally mentally taxing to deliver three back-to-back Champions League wins and then they were not doing you know they had a slow start in that in the, the league campaign the following season and there were rumors that, that Zidane would be sacked and, that, and he ended up leaving and he came back but like you should be able you know obviously you don't want to have somebody rest on their laurels but you can you should be able to have a down season where you still finish top four in your league and you're still making out like a, yeah like, like you should be able to, to suffer a down season or two not, not I don't know bullshit I'm giving if I'm the if I'm the chairman of a soccer team and you have won back to back to back Champions Leagues, I'm probably thinking, well, you just delivered three Champions League in three years, so I'll give if you have a down season, I'll give you two more seasons to figure it out. You gave me three incredible years, I'll give you three years to figure your shit out. But after that, I'll cut you. I'll cut you like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. No. The, it, as we saw with the Super League, Florentino Perez is a fucking crazy person. He's a, he's a sociopath. He's a sociopath. I just think he has a steady steady intake of just the wildest concoction of drugs. Drugs that you and I are too poor to even know about. Yeah. Like, we don't sure. even know the names of these drugs. Um, so, Zidane leaves Real Madrid. Then Real Madrid don't have a coach. Real Madrid, much like a Taylor Swift album, just go back to an ex and grab um, Don Carlo... From Everton, just rip him out of Everton. Just breaking, breaking Everton hearts. Breaking James Rodriguez's heart. Ugh. And, you know, like, it it sucks. Carlo Ancelotti had been talking, I think he did an interview or a couple this season, uh, about, you know, he's got a contract till 2024. That should run until Everton's new stadium is finished. He, he said, like, it would be, you know, it would be great to finish up this contract. That would mean that I've done a really good job, and I'm really excited about that. And from what everybody could tell, he, he did seem to enjoy living in England. He seemed to enjoy his his, his kind of job at Everton. I do think the I think I think there were one, maybe two, but I don't even know if, if the second one would, would have gotten his attention. He always seemed to talk about Madrid as the incomplete project, right? Every every place he's every country he's coached in except for spain he has delivered a league title uh he he's always held on to madrid as something that he didn't quite get right and i think he's always thought that like if i had a little bit more time i could have i could have solved it i could have figured it out and this is a man by the way who didn't quite get it right when he delivered la decima there was a long champions league drought for real madrid and before Zinedine Zidane got his back-to-back-to-back, it was on the backs of a team built by Carlo Ancelotti. And Ronaldo had like a 1.18 1. 
goals per game ratio under Ancelotti? Uh, it was, I mean, it was just, I think it was the one, one team calling, you know, there's, there's the, ro- the romantic in me is like, if somehow Milan had just qualified for Champions League and, and Pioli left, you know, maybe, maybe he could come, he, he would have left uh, Everton to come, come home to Milan, but I don't even think that would have done it. I think this was the one opportunity. I think he was talking about staying at Everton, you know, through 2024, because in his mind, how would they ever let, uh, Zidane go right he's going to be there for for a decade uh but this unthinkable kind of just happened and, and he 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 felt like he had to take it so he's now at Real Madrid and Everton doesn't have a soccer coach uh we alluded to it earlier that Wolverhampton Wanderers a uh, Nuno Espirito Santos decided to leave uh, the team. It was announced a few weeks before the end of the season. Um, you know, he, there was never. It wasn't clear. Like the. Uh, it was what was clear. Okay, let me reword that. One thing was clear. Nuno didn't leave because the club was gonna fire him. He left on his terms, on his side of things. And we're all was wondering. Kind of. I'm, I'm. I'm still not clear on that. So the prevailing theory is that his agent predicted the coaching carousel that's taking place now and thought that he smart guy. that Nuno was going to be a soft he's a guy who's been admired by everyone who follows the game for what he's done at Wolves and that he was going to be a hot commodity in this market and he could have a chance to go on to a bigger club and so that's why he he left Wolves Part of me thinks that had to do with it. Part of me thinks maybe like he had some transfer ambitions that maybe Wolves weren't going to meet. And part of me thinks that it after this uh, Euro, if there's an opening as to be the Portugal head coach, I mean, he did just bring in Portuguese player after Portuguese player to Wolves. So Wolves doesn't have a manager. Everton doesn't have a manager. We already talked, I think, the last episode of the one before that Josie's now at Roma. Um. And now Pochettino is trying to let PSG let him go so he could go back to Tottenham. That's another team who doesn't have a manager. So I do think that the Poch-PSG thing isn't going to work because we're going to get to it in a minute. Oh, I'll just get into it now. Uh, Lille won the league title by two points in League... Uh, A.K.A. the Uber Eats League. And Tim Uber we- Eats. A.K.A. Yeah, the Uber Eats League. And Tim Weah is a uh, league champion. So good for you, Tim Weah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... That cooking carousel is wild. Um, and Conti doesn't have a job. And Zidane doesn't have a job. And will Zidane ever coach anyone but Real? I have questions. I don't know. Um, yes, I think he will. Is it France? Yes, I think it is. Could it be before the Euros? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it will be. <laughs> Imagine that, like, tomorrow, France announces <laughs> that they fired Deschamps and just bring in Zidane. I, will, I would love that so much. I hate that guy. I think Deschamps is through the World Cup. The 2022 one? Yep. Fuck. I think he is. Now, what does Zidane do between now and then? Probably coaches again, but also maybe he just takes a little time off. Maybe he, he you know has himself a, a nice little break. I'll say this, man. His sons all are super good looking. The guy created some good-looking children. Good, good for him. He should be proud. Uh, I'm sure he put a lot of effort into, into that. Um, I, I, I think... Some I think, guys have it all. 
I think he'll coach. Uh, also, <laughs> Juve going straight for Allegri. They didn't want to entertain bringing back their prodigal son, Zidane. Or they didn't want to entertain bringing back the guy who started it all, Conti. I don't know if Conti was accepting that phone call. Oh. I, I'm i pretty sure, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure Conti and like the uh, Juventus leadership have some bad blood and grudges. Oh. I could be wrong. And therefore, like, maybe it's not that Conti's not accepting their phone call. Maybe they're not, they don't, like, I, 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 I don't think those parties think of it as water under the bridge, if you know what I mean. Is Tottenham going to get any of these good managers? Well, speaking of players coming back to play for their, their old clubs, Jurgen's just chilling out on the ESPN plus, like, soccer studio. True, true. That could be interesting. Could be interesting. Um, I do think they're um, going to end up rehiring Poach. That just seems like the Tottenham thing to do. What I saw and is... And everyone's is, going back to X's. Juventus went back I, to their X. Real Madrid went back to an X. What I saw is basically uh, Poch is going to have to make a public statement declaring he wants to leave PSG f- to go back to Tottenham in order for that, that to happen. And I've heard that in the back rooms, he's been negotiating with the Parisians to try to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> also, I mean, man, Poch really can't win shit, huh? He, I mean, the Uber Eats League is like a sure thing league you're supposed to win and fucking Lille on it. Not even Monaco or Leon, fucking Lille. Yeah. Um, what was I going to... I had a... I had a thought. Apparently... What I've seen, what I've heard, getting Posh back is not enough to get Kane to stay, right? Really? The thing, the thing I'm, I'm pretty sure what Kane needs to see is financial investment in the squad. And those words are not comprehensible to, to Dan Levy. Yeah, he's going to Man City. That's really going to suck. Yeah. Any club but Man City. Why is it always Man City? Yeah. All right. Should clearly, should clearly go to Everton when uh, when Sam Allardyce takes over. <laughs> Big Sam. Um, let's go to Bundesliga. Dortmund secured Champions League spot. Wolfsburg also. Yeah, Champions, Champions League, League was actually top top four was top four was secured uh, with the second to last game week. Uh, so the final final week did have some drama, um, but not the drama we like to, we'd like to focus on uh Werder Bremen who were right above the drop the whole season or in the playoff spot the entire season lost in the final week with with Cologne uh defeating Schalke dropping Werder Bremen into automatic relegation so our beloved Red Baron and Werder Bremen are now going to be in Bundesliga 2 there are talks that uh Sargent will be on the move with clubs in Germany uh and elsewhere interested yeah, and uh, I just want to highlight, he doesn't get as much love as a lot of the other guys because he's not an attacking player or a fullback, which is also basically an attacking player. But a lot of uh, Bundesliga pundits had John Brooks as one of their center backs in their team of the season. And yes. I just and he's a big reason why Wolfsburg finished in fourth and got into the Champions League by one point. 
finished in fourth, only gotten by one point, but also they were in top four, I think, for like the entire second half of the season. They were they were in third for a lot of it. Dortmund got hot in the, on the, the you know final stretch, but strong, strong season by Wolfsburg. And I thought, honestly, is this one of the first times that Brooks has been majorly healthy for the entire season? Like, yes. It feels like, it feels like he's always a long time. Always hit back and knee issues, and it was great to see what he could put together with just constant start, constant starts, and being healthy. Yeah. Also, uh, Byron doesn't have a coach either. Yeah, they do. They hired someone. Nagels- Nagelsmann. Oh, that's they right. That's right. I was- Donnie, Donnie, Donnie. They hired Nagelsmann, but- and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse Marsh moved uh, up. Yeah, now I remember that. A team, a team finished second in the Bundesliga, therefore. They had to lose something to Bayern. Well, they already had, they already lost their best player to Bayern. Oh, true. And I, you know what's funny? They, they're getting Bayern's. They're getting Leipzig's best player free, but they're paying like thirty million for their their coach. Nag- Nagelsmann. That's right. He's at Bayern. I was like looking at their table, and I was like, "Did this get resolved? Does Bayern have a coach?" I did get resolved because we were so happy. Jesse Marco, so Leipzig. Now Tyler Adams about to play a whole bunch. Um, good, good. I would like to, before we talk about La Liga, I'd like to talk about two leagues we don't talk about very often. First, I'd like to talk about the Portuguese League. Oh, I, I really thought we were going to Turkish. Oh, no, that'll, that's where we're going next. Okay. okay where okay. Sporting won their first title in over 20 years, losing one game. That's incredible. This is what's even more mind-blowing, Eric. Porto, who came in second place, lost two games all season. And they came in second place. Imagine knowing beforehand that your team was only going to lose two games. And you, you have the title in the back. You have the title in the back, right? If I know, if I know before the season that we're only losing two games, then it's like pop the champagne. We won. And they lost by five points because Sporting only lost <sighs> one game. That's incredible. I just thought that that had to be highlighted because that is sure. mind-boggling to me. And that's, I mean, that's that's Ronaldo's old club, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, Sporting. Also, didn't Bruno come from Sporting too? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Okay. Um, and then, as you alluded to, I'll let you talk about the. Uh... No, Donnie, I will not step on on your toes. I'll I'll let you do that. But I did have a different league I wanted to quickly uh, address. Yes, Just very quick. You know, we never talk about the Scottish Premiership. Uh, because Celtic dominated every single season, right? That's where that's where Brendan Rodgers went after he was exiled from the Premier League. Uh, continued the Celtic domination and then move over to Leicester. Uh, we've had another, you know, another person kind of, you know, with strong ties to the Premier League, strong ties to Liverpool, uh, make build some managerial roots out in in Scotland. Uh, that being Stevie G with Rangers. And uh, delivered a title for Rangers by uh, almost thirty points, undefeated. Over. Undefeated, thirty-two wins, six draws, zero losses. Points total of one hundred and two. Celtic in second place, finished with seventy-seven points. Just a resounding uh, season, a, a perfect season. Unreal. Mm. Not a perfect season, but an invincible season. Unreal. Unreal. The Turkish Super League could, could going into the last day, could have been won by Bestikas, Galatasaray, or Fenerbahce. Now, as those of you know, many people consider the Turkish Super League the best league in the world. 
Because it's the most competitive. Besiktas won the Super League on a goal differential of one goal. They had 84 points. Galatasaray had 84 points. The goal differential for Besiktas was 45, and for Galatasaray, it was 44. And I think Besiktas, like, uh, oh, two games before the final, like, had, like, a 7-1 or, or 6-2 win or something. Something stupid. They, they, they knocked, like, plus five to their goal differential uh, two games before the final week uh, to even make the goal differential competitive, which just, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing. You know, the Turkish Super League, year in and year out, shows itself as the most competitive league, I think. It, it is actually mind-blowing, all jokes aside. It came down to one goal. <laughs> um, and then I guess wrap up. This is the prediction that you got right from last podcast of who would uh, end up winning La Liga. And after a seven-year drought, Atletico Madrid, Diego Simeone have reached the pinnacle. And oh, the irony of Barcelona letting Luis Suarez go because he was too old. And Luis Suarez leading Atletico Madrid to a La Liga title. Very awesome. I mean, the, the irony is, the, the poetry is just, just beautiful here. Not only did all that happen, but Barcelona was eliminated from title contention uh, a, a few uh, two match weeks before the final uh, by a goal scored by Luis Suarez to give Atletico enough points that Barcelona would not be able to catch up to. So, like, I think, I mean, props to, to Suarez, who we do not see that very often. We do um, not because he bites people um, would be the reason. People. But we are- he revealed that, like, he found out that he was getting um, that Barcelona were cutting ties with him over the media. Nobody at the club even had the common courtesy to call him, despite that. What he when he was on that line with Neymar and Messi, like all that the uh, the MSN line, all that they were able to um, accomplish yeah. there, and he just felt very disrespected and slighted. And Suarez got his revenge. Um, very, it's it's always cool when Real Madrid or Barcelona don't win La Liga, and so happy that Diego Simeone was able to get that done, but even better news. And, oh, God. Well, real, real quick, even speaking of Diego Simeone with Luis Suarez, apparently the Atletico board, you know, called Simeone. It was like, hey, Suarez is going to be available. What do you think? And Simeone said something like, why are you calling me? Sign him. <laughs> that, guy, that guy's pretty awesome. He's like, yeah. he's one of those characters where it's like, as a new, like, he's a very easy guy to like as a neutral, as a manager. He, but was, if he was a scumbag of a player. He was a scumbag. Yeah, I mean, he's also the guy doing like ball celebrations <laughs> and manager, right? Like, 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 I think if 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 you have a rooting interest against him, he's also easy to hate. Yes, yes. But as those of you know, uh, the official La Liga team of this podcast is Celta Vigo, who at one point this season were in danger of relegation and just finished eighth, giving us a very very good season. And and moving forward. La Liga will be on ESPN Plus, which means we'll watch the occasional Real Barcelona Atletico game, but we get we are going to get hopefully all of the Celta Vega games, baby. I'll be I'll be watching all thirty eight myself. I'm I'm just glad that we no longer have to just like follow online Celta Vega taking points off of the top dogs because I'm, that's their bread and butter. I'm glad that I don't have to go to 
LimeWire-esque websites on my computer to watch La Liga while, like, it's getting gang-banged by a slew of viruses. <laughs> um, and so I think that kind of... Good job on the prediction. I really thought Atletico were going to bottle it. I really thought Leicester were going to make the top four, so, like, yeah. Uh, definitely Leicester, a okay. candidate of cuck of, of the year. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna you know preview the Oni or preview the Euros uh, next app, and I think after the Euros resolve before club soccer kicks back on, we'll have a bit of a delayed Onis. But yeah, we'll take know, like three weeks after the Euros, but probably before the kick of uh, the first um, yeah the first ball in the club season, and we'll and we'll do all the Onis. That's always my favorite episode every year. Um, but we are really excited for the Euros next year. And before we sign off today, we wanted to just talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team uh, as we have some competitive games coming up in the way of the uh, CONCACAF Nations League. And then a few weeks later after that, we'll have the Gold Cup. And then after the Gold Cup, that's going to lead us right into kind of the, the pretty, I think, heavy schedule of World Cup qualifying, which is really exciting. Uh, we were just talking about this kind of before we hit play. Not counting whatever the quarterfinals or the qualification round of the Nations League that we had, or you know, earlier in 2020, because um, that you know that didn't really feel like it's too much at stake. Like we, I think we, we felt pretty confident. Uh, but this Thursday, uh, so two days from now, really, is or for most of you listening, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, or yesterday, depending on when you listen, right? Uh, first or today. First men's national team for the United States, uh, competitive with stakes that that we'll get to see. You know, it's the squad called up is pretty exciting in terms of the the multitude of European based players. You know, we're still gonna get Jackson Newell, who I just don't understand what he brings. Oh, by I'm the still way, gonna get the, the answer to that question is nothing. Yeah, I, that's why the limit the limit does not exist. Well, the limit does exist, and it's zero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to get Lichia, we're going to get Berhalter's MLS uh, kind of quadrant, but it looks like the European-based players are going to be allowed to cook, which is, I think, really exciting. You know, we haven't talked about it, and, and I, I, I've i loved the guy for, for a while, but, you know, no Michael Bradley, right? No no Josie Outdoor in camp. It, it looks like we have turned the page from the, the core that failed to deliver uh, against Trinidad and Tobago that failed to deliver in those World Cup qualifiers all those years ago. And I'm really excited to see what this team can do. A little nervous, right? This this seems to be, you know, compared to other generations, this seems to be our golden generation, right? They are young. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of guys playing in Europe's top five leagues. But, you know, we've, we've seen with Belgium, right? Belgium have been in the middle of the golden generation for the last several major tournaments and have yet to put it all together sometimes it can take it can take time for for that core to be able to produce which makes me a little nervous i forgot what it was like to be nervous about a u.s men's national team game right because it's just been friendlies or fucking nations league qualifying bullshit um i'm less nervous for the, the nations league semifinal because like i still don't quite get what the nations league is about but yeah right nobody knows I'm really getting nervous for World Cup qualifying. Gold is, and I'm getting nervous for Gold Cup, which is going to be a squad full of MLSers. So that's going to kind of be a bit of a drag. I'm, I'm okay with that though, because if you know, 
as long as the World Cup qualifying squad is not just full of MLSers, right? If it's the if it's yes, the... yes, yes. If I had to, if I had to choose between the two, I want the World Cup qualifying squad to have the stronger squad, but I also want to use the Gold Cup as an opportunity for these guys to play with each other and build chemistry because yeah. it's hard. It's hard to build that chemistry at the national team level when you only see these guys for at most a couple of weeks at a time, and then boom, right back off to two, your club. Two weeks, and then camps over. No, I I agree. My, especially my because is, they're so young. My my thinking is especially with like the congested schedule of the last year and a half. I I want these European based players to get some sort of off season, right? I want I want players like uh, Weston McKinney to be able to take a fucking breather. John Brooks, who's been injury prone in the past, I want him to be able to get some R and R. So that's that's why I'm okay with like the MLS based uh, Gold Cup. Uh, I would love to see it be a a you know majority young team, right? Let's get like you know, uh, called up. Let's get let's get if you're gonna call up MLS players, let's get the guys that are 25 and under and being scouted by DK up there. Well, I, I think I think he, that's why he was left off of the Nations League squad. Yeah. I, I, if if we don't get DK on there, I'll be fucking pissed. Yeah, we, with no DK, we riot. For sure. But um, that is going to be exciting. We'll recap all of that in next week's episode. So usually we go about three weeks between the episodes, but given that the Euros are right around the corner, we'll do a. Uh, Episode for you little guys primer. next little, week. Little primer. Little, little primer. Give our predictions. Kind of break down the squads. A lot of news has dropped about squad selections and players who are admitted. And there's some salt. There's some salt on the podcast. We'll we'll, we'll spend a good you know twenty minutes talking about England. I'm sure. We may even spend longer talking about France. I'm even more salty about the France squad. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, that's fair. But, um, but the return of the king. For the France squad, so kind of uh, happy. Uh, yeah. mixed, mixed emotions about the France squad overall, but anyway, he, he co- we'll, 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 we'll talk about it in depth. But just a little teaser: he called up Benzema so nobody would focus on leaving off Teo. He he did the two. He did the one thing that would make me the happiest guy in the world, and he also simultaneously did the one thing that could make me the saddest guy in the world. It was intentional. He called him Benzema because he's like, people can't give me shit for leaving off the best left back in Serie A because they're going to be so busy focusing on, wow, he finally brought back Benz. Yeah, we'll break that all down. But yeah. um, anyway, another European season in the bag. Um, excited to see what next year brings. Excited to see what all the crazy transformers out there. So we'll look forward to updating you guys on that in between our uh, Euro updates but as always please follow and subscribe to the pod on apple podcasts as some of you know we are also available on spotify follow us on instagram follow us on twitter share us with a friend bye bye to the byline it's in it's an up goal it's a gift well he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post it's almost behind him Sticks his left leg out, it almost hits his heel and goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball, it's the inside of his car. Got no chance to the keeper. Astonishing position to get.